comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hola! Out Now is a film podcast. With Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We all have fun covering various movie topics with a main, mostly spoiler-free review sandwich right in the middle. This is episode 156, 156. There you go. And uh, this week we are talking about the new film from director Clint Eastwood, his, adapt- his film adaptation of Jersey Boys... The story of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, because what says Happy June, Happy Start of the this Official Start of the Summer, like a good dramatic musical, right, Abe? Yeah, I mean, screw that Vivaldi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, joining us to discuss Jersey Boys, we have a tall man with dreams of being a falsetto. It's Ken Knopsinger. Good evening and good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Very well, thank you very much. That was a that was a great good evening, good morning thing. Yeah, it works it's, out. Uh, yeah, you know, considering it's a solid 1 a.m. right now. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> not, not that it entirely matters to the listener, but that we are recording this fairly early and very, and fairly literally early, too, because it is 1 a.m. in the morning. And we never felt better. Yeah. yeah I feel, feel super jazzed. To to yeah. I'm yeah. ready to sing a falsetto. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll sing the bass. I'll be that drummer guy that seems to got no respect, even though he's... <laughs> he, he hung with the band, like, the whole time, right? <laughs> Who was like, that guy? It was, Just like, the same like... guy. Yeah. He's like he was like the bass player in that thing you do who never has a name except the bass player. <laughs> Played by Ethan Embry, who's in Cheap Thrills, which is a good movie that came out this year. Moving on. <laughs> um let's get to some announcement stuff here real quick before we get into the main show. Um Abe and I have done some new episodes. We have some bonus episodes that are yeah. up currently. Abe, I want to go into that a little bit. Two interviews, yeah. We had an interview with uh, the writers of the signal. Uh, we posted one for David Ferrigio, and the other one is for uh, Carlisle Eubank, and we hope that you guys enjoyed those. It was a great time recording with those guys. Thank you very much to those guys again. Yeah, uh, we, Abe and I are, you know, we really like The Signal, a sci-fi film that's in theaters now, and uh, we hope that you guys, you know, check out that film as well as check out our interviews, because it was a lot of fun. We also have a new commentary, which... I haven't posted yet at the time of this recording. It might be up by the time this episode comes out, but it is our Batman commentary with my our, uh, Abe and myself, as well as friends of the show, Bat, Batman, um, Brandon Peters. <laughs> Batman came on the show. Yeah, Batman came on the show. He was great. It was, it was, he was a Lego <laughs> movie Batman. It was just like really, like he was really into himself, but he was still effective and, you know, getting his help. Uh, no, we had friends of the show, Bat- Brandon Peters and Scott Mendelson joined us for our Batman 89 commentary, celebrating the, the 25th anniversary of Batman, which was on the 23rd. And, uh, yeah. So that's, that was a lot of fun, and people should check that one out, definitely. I know listeners love the commentary, so, you know, there's another great one for you to guys to dig into. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, yes, happy birthday, listener Jason. Um, this you episode, know who you are. This episode's for you, buddy. Should we, <laughs> should we sing him a happy birthday? No, we don't want to pay for that. We can't oh, pay okay. roses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have no money. <laughs> last, uh, last, thi- last thing here, iTunes reviews and ratings, um, good good to get those it helps out our show it helps other people find the show it's very simple log on itunes search for our show and you know add a rating and possibly write a little short review and everyone wins so yeah it certainly helps us out a lot thank you yeah all right so with all that out of the way let's get to uh let's get to know everybody where each week we ask each other a few questions try to set the tone for the podcast and I better get to know everybody. everybody i'm gonna start this one Okay. I know the I know one of I know the answer that one of you has for this question, but for the both of you, have you ever sang publicly before? Yes, I have. No, I haven't. I yeah, guess no. you knew that. <laughs> no, I knew about Ken. Yeah, Abe, hey, you sang privately for us quite a few times. I, I have, yes, and I've sang. I guess I have my voice on this recording, and I do ridiculous <laughs> songs sometimes. But uh, no, I've only put it after the credits. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Were you in an acapella group, Ken? 
Uh, in uh, in grad school, I joined the UC Irvine Choir because I figured, well, my mom is an opera singer and my dad is one of the worst voices I've ever heard, so I didn't know where I <laughs> fell. So I figured I'd go in there and get some vocal training for free and get the world. But yeah, no, I had a ton of fun with that. So I did that for nearly two years. That's so. great. Yeah. yeah, it was a ton of fun. Pretty cool. Yeah. Aaron, nice. any singing? Publicly? Yeah. Not in the same way that Ken has, although Ken and I were at Comic-Con one year, and we were performing um, for... We were using, uh, yeah. We were playing some Rock Band 3, and... Um, as we do. As we do, um, and we did it in front of a live, uh, a big old crowd, because we... So we got, we got up, we got, we waited in line, and generally Ken... When, we, when Ken and I play Rock Band, the video game, by ourselves, Ken generally drums, and I take the guitar and do singing, and so now we're like up in front of, you know, the legions of people at Comic-Con... And so Ken takes the drums. Another guy already had guitar because I can't be hogging everything. So I just did. The, I did. So I did the vocals, and we did System of a Down's Toxicity, and um, it was a lot of fun. You know, doing playing rock band in front of like a bunch of people at Comic Con. And the best like with the best, toxicity. The be, yeah with toxicity. I crushed it. It was great. But the best the best part was at the end. It, you get kind of like a mild response. Everybody does when you finish rock band. But one guy looked at me. He's like, "Hey, that was pretty good." And I was like, "That made me, that made me feel so nice." <laughs> It was our, our first groupie right there. There you go. <laughs> Unfortunately, not a very attractive one, yeah? It was just some guy. <laughs> All right. My question to you guys if is... that guy was Steven Spade, I don't know. Where the what? Uh, my question to you guys is, if you guys had a little barbershop quartet, what would your name be? Oh, man. That's a great question that I wish I had way more time to prepare for. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we had a barbershop quartet, what would our name be? Yeah. Oh my! Oh, that's so good. Uh, Ooh, I think I would. I'd get three other really tall people. You'd just be giants among men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hats off, show offs. I like Ooh. that. I like that. That's 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 as off the cuff as it gets with me right there. Hats off, show offs. <laughs> Works well. Yeah. All right, Abe. I got a question for you. Yeah. If you could have a musical talent of any kind, and it could be in any genre, what would your talent be, and what genre would you tackle? Hmm. A musical talent? Yes. So I it could be I'd an instrument. Have... It could be... I mean, really, the first thing that comes to my mind is I'd have to be a really good ventriloquist singer um, <laughs> so that I could go on the road and have a ventriloquism act. But sings so well that people are like, what is going on here? This guy can't be singing. It's like, no, he is. He's just really good. I'm getting flashbacks of Doug's ventriloquism from the Nickelodeon show Doug. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. That's what I saw. <laughs> that we're all on the same page there. That's right. So it's uh, it seems like Clint Eastwood with his uh, it's kind of some of his last movies has been experimenting with the somewhat different genres. I was wondering if you guys, as for both of you guys, yeah, if you think there's a, a film genre, a film type that you feel like he could do a good job at tackling that he hasn't actually tried before. A long time ago, he did a film called Play Misty for Me. I think that's actually his first directorial efforts, if I'm not mistaken. I might be. It's certainly one of his earlier ones. And Yeah, first one. I am to be right here. Huh. Um, and with that, it's it's not necessarily a horror film, but it certainly has thriller elements to it. But I would be curious to see if he had any... If he wanted to approach like a, a straight up thriller, like he's he's dabbled in it for sure with things elements of Mystic River, even um, Changeling has kind of has as has tenser scenes in it. So I'd be curious if he ever wanted to like go full bore thriller, like in the same way that like Friedkin did with The Exorcist, something like that, where you know it's, it's certainly it's kind of a filmmaker that you don't you know think of as a horror filmmaker, but one that could use his talents to that end. So that actually, yeah, I would be very interested in that. Yeah. Has he ever done any documentaries? Um, I don't believe so, and if he has, it's been for TV, but I don't think he's done documentaries. I'm curious to see how his documentary style works. If he, like, narrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had a big sit-in. Uh, I can't do Clint Eastwood. You'd have to sing the main uh, theme. Sergio and me got on like old partners. <laughs> what? <laughs> Perfect. He was the good and I was the bad, they said. But your question is... We were both pretty ugly back then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I think that uh, that does it for No Everybody. That's how you play. No Everybody. 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 All right, let's move on to... uh, Now, Quickies. Tim? Each week, now we have a one-main movie of the week that we talk about. We have the movies that we always see during the week. So we have to go to... Tim? That was way too... That was so (laughs) fast. That was like... I think we were just blurring there. 
Yeah, well, it's late. We, have, we don't have time for this. <laughs> um, Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Yes. I know that we talked to the writers of The Signal, but I watched The Signal last week. Everyone should go see it. I think they had some really cool ideas, great visuals. Um, and, again, we did an interview with the, the two writers, so listen to that. Uh, yeah, I am a fan of The Signal as well. Ken? Yeah, um, well, I've been I've been rewatching seasons one and two of Game of Thrones because I still have not seen seasons three and four, and I can't remember what the heck happened. So I'm thoroughly enjoying that. But something I saw a little over a week ago that I wanted to plug on the show because I don't think you guys have talked about was I saw the film uh, Three Idiots. Have you guys heard of it? I know it, but I, I have not have seen it. Not, no, I, very, I would, I'm very I, aware of it. Okay, yeah, I would highly recommend it. So uh, to the listeners out there that aren't familiar with it, it's actually a Bollywood film. So I, I don't usually dabble in the Bollywood, but it's uh, it's kind of a it, it, how would I describe it? It's a, it's a little over three hour kind of uh, kind of life epic. I would put it like so. It follows uh, three engineering students in India as they uh, make their way through undergrad and trying to actually make it through success in life, and it tackles a lot of different really relevant uh, social issues while being a really fun comedy and a strong drama it um it i i thoroughly enjoyed it all the way through um it it has a few uh you know songs and dance skits throughout as bollywood movies do but it uh it has a lot of different strong messages to convey one of the main ones is actually a social commentary in india and in the science industry in general on uh the uh the pressures that go along with being an engineer and how it can drive people to extreme lengths to some people uh, suicide so it actually resonated with me because i actually did have a friend that committed suicide in engineering grad school because they couldn't handle the pressures and it's not easy and so in a uh, country like india where it's even more so competitive than it is here it there really is a strong element to that so the movie just kind of it talks through that the just different mentalities on life and just about you know three guys being friends, may doing what they love. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. That's a very good recommendation, Ken. I really want to check that one out. I've certainly heard about it. I know one of the one of the stars of future classic Million Dollar Arm is in Three Idiots as well. Um, <laughs> nice. And don't let the uh, box art fool you. It is some of the worst DVD box art I've ever seen. It looks like Dumb and Dumber Bollywood, and it's not it at all. So <laughs> good to know. Yeah, yeah. I believe uh, Three Idiots is. I think it's available on streaming, but I know it's on Netflix in some capacity. Um, yeah. But yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. I've seen a few things this week. I don't want to limit to one since that's what we try to do now. But I will say that I've seen Boyhood, the Richard Linklater <gasps> film that I just super – I was I was super excited about seeing. And I feel like we're probably going to talk about that on a separate episode in the future. Okay, great. I'm going to leave that one off for now, but I will just say in July when Boyhood comes to your theaters, go see it. Um, with that said, I'm going to jump to something – that's similar to a Bollywood epic. It's called Think Like a Man 2. <laughs> okay. Um, the sequel to Think Like a Man. Um, why it's called Think Like a Man 2, if the 2 spell T-O-O, I don't know. I, that doesn't make any sense to me in any kind of grammar. Think Like no, a Man 2. No, it doesn't. Um, but, There's not even a comma. It's like, you know, comma 2. Or like, I should think, I don't know. Well, I don't, <laughs> um, and me being confused by the title largely says what I felt about the movie. It's just, it, it's too loose. That's the main problem. I, uh, I saw it think like a man. I like it. I think the cast is uh, very good. And like, that was when Kevin Hart was kind of first breaking out. Now he's broken out big. He's, you know, been in a bunch of movies since. And he's, uh, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's, become he's all over the, the place. He's become quite the draw. And this one clearly no recognizes that since it's amped up his presence and kind of, push the rest of the cast in the background and it's just oh it's not as good like the first one and i mean the first one was a big success so i know there's a lot of people that like it and i like it for what it is like it it has a lot of fun kind of delivering on this ensemble cast dealing with different relationships and it has a lot of time spent around it's like a good couple weeks in the lives of these people this one's like sent all in one day they go to vegas and as fun as it is to see a lot of these people because i like a lot of this cast they're, the jokes are just not very good. It's like PG. It's PG-13 in Vegas, so you can only do so much. So there's a lot of just jokes you see all the time in Vegas-type films, and it's not very clever. And um, I can't say it was like super disappointing because I'm like, did I really need a sequel to Think Like a Man? But at the same time, they got everyone back, and I was kind of hoping at least to be more entertaining. And it, you know, it wasn't really. So hmm. Think Like a Man too. Not a not not a not a, not a great sequel. Go see uh, 22 Jump Street if you want a comedy sequel. <laughs> As far as comedy sequels go. So yeah, that's uh, no quickies. 
Jim? All right, let's move on now. Let's get to our movie trailer talk, where each week we discuss one new movie trailer and what we thought of them when it's coming out and what have you. And this week we have Get On Up. This is the biopic about James Brown, starring Chadwick Boseman of 42 fame. It's directed by Tate Taylor, who brought, who directed The Help. With all of that said, Abe, what did you think of the trailer for Get On Up? I'm intrigued by the trailer. I'm, the first time I saw it, it was just like, oh, well, whatever. And then the second time, it started to grow on me. And the third time, I've seen this trailer a lot. Uh, it's almost in every movie that I go see in the theaters. Um, it's starting to grow on me in such a way that I do want to see, I guess, the the angle that they're going to take on it. And it's very apropos that we're talking about it with Jersey Boys, because I guess we'll talk about Jersey Boys in a few minutes here. But um, if they have a tighter focus story, then I think it's going to be a pretty good biopic. Plus, huge fan of Chadwick Boseman. I mean, he stole all the bases of my heart in 42. Keep going. Finish that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Sealed. But I'm excited for it. Ken? I'm really excited for this. I, um, I, this is the first time I'd seen the trailer, so I'd only seen it once, unlike Abe. But, um, no, I, I didn't know Chadwick Boseman had, had such a good voice. Is he, is he actually singing that, or did they kind of dub him over? And... That's a fun question that I don't know the answer to right now. But uh, Okay, because if that's him, I'm impressed. Um, but, no, it's, uh, it looks like it has the real potential to be good, reminiscent of something like Ray, for example, which I enjoyed quite a bit. But yeah, I, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, Ken. I, I am a, I have that's it. I have seen the trailer a lot. It seems to be playing everywhere. Um, both uh, in mind, I like this. I, I like what I'm seeing, and I'm a James Brown fan, and I like to, I like knowing more about these people via these kind of movies. I know, I, I know a good portion about James Brown, but I like, I like seeing these kind of biopics. I like things like Ray, and like you mentioned, and whatnot. So it would be neat to see that kind of thing handled on top for James Brown. And I mean, the help, I enjoyed the help. So I'm, I, I know I, I like what I'm seeing. I like this cast. I mean, you have the Davis again and Octavia Spencer, even Nelson Ellis from uh, true blood and a number of other people. I like seeing, Dan, I like the Dan Aykroyd's around. I haven't seen Dan Aykroyd in forever. I'm just, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Every, everything about this just says it looks like it could be a fun, entertaining bio musical biopic. So, you know, hoping for the best on this one. And he seems like he just has such personality. Like, obviously, I don't know James Brown, but <laughs> just kind oh, of... Oh, you do. Oh, I mean, you know, we, we do go back. I just don't want to... You know, I'm trying to downplay it here. But uh, it just seems like Chadwick Boseman just has such personality and charisma. He sold me on actually playing this character. So. It's it's interesting because, I mean, I think I think Abe and I, and, the, and we, kind of, we kind of agree on this. With 42, he was playing the character very inward. Like, he wasn't... Not that he was playing it bad, necessarily, but he, I mean, he, he had a... The way Jackie Robinson was being portrayed in that film, which is probably true, which is fairly true to life, I'd say, it's he, he's not one that's you know expressing a ton of emotion and being a very lively character as opposed to someone like James Brown, who was who is a larger than life type character. So it's neat to see Chadwick Boseman, you know, come out of nowhere essentially and become this kind of the, the this guy that can play this this range of different kind of characters. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that, Get On Up comes out August first uh, this summer. Is that the same date as Guardians of the Galaxy? That's what I was just thinking. Is, is that the same d- weekend? I think That's Guardians is coming out a week later. I'm pretty sure it's that. I think it's that first weekend because the week later is uh, TMNT. TMNT. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's the same date as Guardians of the Galaxy. So after we get our raccoon, we get to see Rocket Raccoon and James Brown on the same weekend. Sounds pretty amazing to me. <laughs> If there's you know a James Brown song in Guardians of the Galaxy, everyone wins. I think that's the main takeaway from it. <laughs> Sounds like a great double feature. Possibly the best one since our double feature of Up and Drag Me to Hell. Yeah, it's certainly, <laughs> certainly up there, that's for sure. Um, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to our main film review for Jersey Boys. You want to hear the real story? I'm the one you want to talk to, Tommy DeVito. wasn't for me, we all would have wound up with a bullet in our head. Friends like that, you should change your name to Sinatra. I'm going to be as big as Sinatra. I would love to introduce you to a new discovery of mine. Frankie Valli. Dream wild. I heard them all, but I never heard a voice like Frankie Valley's. I know I need to write for this voice. Thank you. The world is going to hear that voice. You want me to produce your songs? Find a name and a sound, and then we can make something happen. Listen, we got something for you, all right? Sherry. Set up the A-track. We're going to double Frankie's voice. It's going to explode right off the radio. That should have been some of the trailer for Jersey Boys. This is, of course, the 
film from Clint Eastwood, who has jumped aboard to direct a movie adaptation of the popular Broadway play and big Tony Award-winning show, Jersey Boys, which is a story of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Uh, working with a number of people from the original show, the film follows the pattern of a traditional movie bio musical biopic with plenty of familiar pop tunes to go along with the drama. Um, Ken, you haven't seen the musical, correct? Correct. I have not seen the musical. Okay. I've heard a lot about it, but I actually nev- I never got a chance to get it, to actually see it. I haven't either. Abe, have you by chance? I have not seen it. No. Okay, so none of us have seen this musical, but we have heard good things. <laughs> so, um, and I and I and I have been encouraged to see the musical since seeing the, especially after seeing this movie. But with all that said, Ken, what did you think of the film Jersey Boys? This is a movie I really wanted to like, but honestly, ultimately came up flat. Now let me go into what's good about it before getting into what I don't like. I loved the uh, the setting. I love the filter they used on the lens. It somehow they just kind of. It seemed like an old-timey look. Um, it reminded me of, if there are alpha gamers out there, a little bit of L.A. Noir in terms of the filters early in the movie. And as you progress throughout the movie, it seems to become a little bit more modern. I feel like every cent- uh, every century, every decade that they filmed in had a slightly different filter on the camera. And the, the talent of the singing of the characters is fantastic. And they have great personalities, too. But that all being said, uh, I felt like... Eastwood was a little lost on how to handle this story, and it seemed like he took a two different directors' approach. It seemed like he tried to be Scorsese for the first two thirds with like some of his own flair thrown in there, and then his own style towards the end. And honestly, his Scorsese is like a bad knockoff. So it's basically like he does the stereotypical mobster montage going all the way through, talking about these characters' lives for, you know, with no real sense of time progression. Honestly, for the first half of the movie, I couldn't tell if it was two years or 20 years that had passed, other than, like, seeing marriage and children grow up. That's a good point. I I had no idea how much time had passed. I was just, uh, I I felt constantly confused as to what he was trying to convey with the narration. And so um, the movie the characters narrate, from a first-person perspective, while the scene's still going on. It's not like a disembodied voice that's like someone from the future, the modern voice reflecting on something. So you're not sure the whole time, is like, are these narrators talking from how they are thinking at the time? Is it their current selves reflecting back on it? And so it leaves you kind of at a loss for what they're trying to do, and the narrator jumps around the whole time, except for never actually narrates from the main character's perspective, Frankie Valli. And so... It kind of leaves this strange feeling of, are they trying to say that Frankie Valli's somehow set apart and different from all the rest of the guys, even though he's really not? So I, don't, I felt like I felt like it was just, they had great material, a really interesting story of what happened to this band, but ultimately it was given to the wrong director and the wrong writers. Abe? Yeah, I certainly feel the same way as Ken. I think that it was pretty flat, it's very shallow, and uh, I think it's just a jumble of ideas, and... I can't really say that this is how the stage production was or this is how the movie or the the material that it's based off of is also like, because um, I haven't seen any of those. But from what I've seen here, it kind of makes me not want to go see the stage production. And it also also makes me want to go see the stage production just to see how very different it, it can be. And I'm aware that these guys, some of these guys are like original cast members from the Broadway show. Uh, including the main character uh, who plays Frankie Valli. But for the most part, there's a lot of weird ideas in here that, that stumble around, and I agree, definitely agree with Ken in terms of the age progression. I couldn't tell. They just started off with a, a screenshot of like 1951 or whatever, and uh, I was like, how old is Frankie Valli? And then when somebody's like, yeah, this kid's 16, I was like, that, no. <laughs> that guy is not 16. <laughs> he might be part of the Jump Street squad from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. But as it progresses, you're not really sure about how much time has passed, and like what Ken had said, they kind of just give you glimpses into their personal lives, um, which I thought was handled very poorly, because why should I care about any of this stuff that's happening? They they have, they give me no reason to care for that, and yeah. um, there's a lot of these, these emotional, tense sequences, and I'm using air quotes right now, because I didn't feel anything during the sequences. Um, it starts off with Frankie Valley throwing a, a cup of tea at, at a door, and then it's like, okay, well, where did that come from? And all of a sudden, his wife is uh, a drunkard, and um, now he's got family problems, and now his daughter has a role to play in it. And then uh, one of the things I did like about it was Tommy DeVito's character, and I think that's primarily because that's more so fleshed out. You see his flaws more than more so than anyone else, and you see that uh, he is someone that is someone who sort of manipulates to some degree, but he's trying to be the, the alpha of the group, and there's really no redemption in his character actually at all. 
but I just got a better sense of who that Tommy DeVito person was rather than um, Frankie Valley, who seems to be all about the music. So for the most part, yeah, it, it seems very flat, and it wasn't something that I was super engaged in. There was one part where I was super engaged, and that sadly comes at the very end when they have this pretty cool musical number. And I'm like, where was this throughout the whole entire movie? Like, yeah. this, this is what I would have wanted to see, even as ridiculous as it is. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I think the... I, I'd be able to forgive the movie a lot if it just, you know, came alive, and it really didn't. There's no energy to this movie, which is the kind of thing you expect from a a Broadway production about Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and I think that's what makes the show so popular, is there probably is a lot more energy and razzle-dazzle in what's going on with this uh, with, in the actual show, because, I mean, the musical sequences are fine, and, like, I don't think it's unexpected that the soundtrack to this movie is pretty fantastic but in between the songs which you know constitutes about what 75 percent of the movie there's no life to it and i think it's because of uh clint eastwood's direction i think he is directorially miscast or however you want to put it in for this film i mean i like the idea of him attempting something like this because i hear the words clint eastwood's directing the jersey boys movie and i'm like huh that actually makes me want to see a jersey boys movie but same it yeah. didn't result in anything that I, I really loved. He has a certain style that is certainly old school and kind of generally fits for having actors that know to take care of themselves in a store that's strong enough to support itself. So his direction, while not flashy, is assured in what it's doing. And for a movie like this, you just need someone that has more style or more anything that could give life to this movie. More something like Ken was saying, like Scorsese would know how to edit the hell out of this movie and make it move really quickly. Right. Whereas with Clint Eastwood, it just kind of feels very stagnant throughout when it's not focused on musical sequences or some yeah. of the livelier characters such as such as Tom DeVito who is you know a lot more fun and even Bob uh, Guad Bob Bob Guadia yeah Bob yeah like his, who, guy. yeah who I think is the best character in the film easily I oh think yeah it's the most coming from him and he is played by Eric Bergen who's part of the original cast as well from the from the Broadway show him and uh, Frankie Valli uh, with John Lloyd Young um, they're both they're, like they're both from the original play and, I mean, yeah, the singing's there, for sure. But, yeah, there's just not much else to this movie. And it's the same, I should notice, the same writers, like the same writers that created the play, they adapted the screen for the screen. And I gotta put it all on Eastwood. Like, I, I think, I mean, there's this, I mean, I, I could find issues with the script, but, I mean, you could at least bring it out more of making the movie feel alive and fun, and it's just not that. Like, there, it starts out like I enjoy it a lot. What really added to it, just kind of feeling dead, going off what you're saying, Aaron, is that, there is, there are literally three scenes with background music, and the rest of this movie does not have background music other than if they're singing. And so, and uh, all three of them were with uh, major uh, family events with Frankie Valley, and all the background music was songs of theirs they had sung already in the movie. And so, it, it it's just it's, you have these you know hour hour and a half worth of movie where there's just no background music, no ambiance, just people talking or moving along, and it just feels so desolate and quiet. And the characters even though i like them they just didn't have the personality to fill in the gaps yeah i mean the yeah. the four seasons i mean the, i i like them in general but there's not much to each of these characters i mean give or take a few and but, everybody and everybody else in this movie just feels kind of wasted like what christopher walken's in this movie he's wasted completely and he's a, and he's a great dancer and we don't get to see him <laughs> dance in this movie well you <laughs> like, see him dance a little bit toward the end yeah he he moves half a step faster yes, than he does yeah, the rest yeah. of the movie good job christopher walken <laughs> but he's he's christopher sleepwalking through this movie a voice like yours it's a gift from god the world is going to hear that voice you understand sure mr the call it's just uh what i don't know i just wish things would start to happen impatient huh <laughs> don't worry you work hard, everything follows. Am I right, Tommy? Bigger than Sinatra, Jib. My hand to God. <laughs> and, like, the, the women in this movie are, like, they're horribly written. Like, they're terrible. Like, this movie is super sexist. Like, this movie hates women. Because I mean, that kind of goes to what have... Ken was saying, too, earlier about whose perspective is this being told from? Because um, you have this, uh, you have this, one of the ending shots is you have all four of the characters talking independently about their own side of it. It's like, well, whose side am I seeing it from? And like that kind of speaks to the women. It's like, was it because you know maybe uh, Tommy DeVito saw Frankie as like a womanizer, or maybe Frankie saw himself as like the the nicest guy, or like I don't understand. Tell me what I why I should care about any of this. There's not enough weight there, and the characters aren't given 
they don't have enough nuance to you know make you register what's going on besides a general understanding of yeah he's out a lot and so his wife became an alcoholic and their marriage isn't good anymore like they're just they're really basic beats that you see in a lot of these you know musical biopics that tend to have a lot of the same structure because that's kind of what happens you rise you get the fame you succumb to drugs and other women and things like that and then you fall down only to get back up again at the end and have a big song and dance number like it's yeah. it's yeah. a pretty easy pattern a but but certain movies know how to do that a lot better movies like ray and movies like walk the line uh they they handle that with with better attempts because the actors are better the screenplays you know handled more effectively or the directions better like in yeah. jersey boys just doesn't hit any of those beats it doesn't it really doesn't and that's one of the saddest parts about it is you don't get really jazzed up when they're singing either nobody in the crowd is kinetic um i mean i haven't seen rock of ages and i haven't seen what's the one with dr travolta dressing up as a woman Hairspray. Hairspray. I mean, those seem like those are more along the lines of, let's just take the Broadway or the show and just put it on the screen. Well, they, they at least like feel like they're, they're more colorful. Like, I've seen, I haven't seen Hairspray. I've seen Rock of Ages. And, like, as much as I, I don't and, think that's a great movie, at least it has energy. And it, like, well, it feels... I appreciate what, what Clint Eastwood is doing, which is just like, hey, let's, like, tone it down, make it a biopic. But at the same time, like, I am not jazzed about any of the times that I'm watching or at any point in my, uh, during this film watching it. I'm like, I'm should I feel excited because all this is really boring. Dude, for the first for the first thirty minutes, I could not tell any of the other characters apart other than Frankie and Christopher Walken. <laughs> I, I honestly, it took me. And by I, literally the last notes on the notes that I took are like the four names of the characters, so I'd be able to get them straight. I mean, like, I was I, I was into like the first thirty minutes of the movie just because I felt it was. It was more. St- it felt like this like this musical world being set up, and I liked the kind of staginess of it, uh, which is something I tossly complain about in kind of. Broadway shows brought to movies that they feel stagey, but in that case, it felt like appropriate because it's this kind of, it's a big musical film as opposed to something like August of Sage County, where it just feels like characters enter from this scene and they argue, then they leave the scene. Like this feels like a production that's now a movie. Like this one, it felt appropriate for a musical to feel kind of stage. If for in the first thirty minutes or so of it, when it was really kind of setting itself up, and you see them rising up, and even Eastwood seemed to be trying something different, where like he. The movie actually begins with like happy piano or happy um, musical numbers as opposed to sad piano music that tends to open a lot of his movies. Like there was, it seemed like he was, it seemed like he was at odds of himself of like trying to do something different but also hitting familiar Clint Eastwood beats. And yeah, the overall that just led to my overall opinion of the movie where he just didn't really pull anything together that felt inventive or clever. It just felt like Eastwood falling back on what he's been doing kind of since Unforgiven and not necessarily trying super hard and <laughs> letting the actors take over. And for a movie like this, where the actors aren't ex- like entirely very strong besides Christopher Walken, there's nowhere else to go. And when you don't right. have, you don't have a central cast that's like, you know, terrific and you don't have a director that's putting much oomph behind anything. You just have this kind of flat movie. And that's what I got. Yeah. Basically and what I got too. Quick question for you guys. Did you catch any of like- Maybe I'm going crazy, but I swear there are a couple like modern things that are thrown into that movie. For example, like Tommy in the beginning, early in the movie, is talking about apparently he was friends with Joe Pesci growing up, and he's yeah. like looking at the camera, having a dialogue, talking about you know, it's like oh, this crazy thing that Joe Pesci and I did. Then he immediately like goes back into the movie, and like the, either the next line or the following line, he pulls the Goodfellas uh, funny how line. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, is this narrator like? Speaking from present tense, talking back and making right. a reference to Goodfellas, which comes out 30 years after this point. Well, it's just supposed to be tongue in cheek. I mean, the, the fact is, Tom DeVito was friends with Joe, Joe Pesci in real life. Yeah, Pesci, it, yeah. It, I just felt like the, uh, that wasn't the only moment like that in the movie, but that was the most dramatic one. But I, those moments just really pulled me out. It's like this is this is clearly not actually set in the time period of this moment then it's just well it's no it's, it's just, just very, it's just it's, it's just yeah, winking I mean, at it's winking at the audience and kind of being an in joke and i'd and i'd be very I'd, i wouldn't be surprised at all if that is you know stuff that's carried over from the show where you have those references there which is I, fine i mean point. if that's, that's it, especially if it's you know a tongue-in-cheek play on hey like we're in 2002 or whatever and we're just taking a look back at our careers and this is how we remember it but if it yeah. was handled better in terms of even the narration is weird. If it was just like, all right, well, I'm going to I'm going to use Bob and this is Bob's view of things for the next 15 minutes. That would be interesting. But it's just like, all right, narrator, narrator, narrator. It just kind of jumps around. And I know that's 
Yeah, yeah. it, it kind of jumps, and I know, and I know that's part of the play too. That's part of the, the show. They do that in the show as well, where you have the. Next... I actually liked how everyone was narrating, but it just yeah, wasn't. It, it yeah, it just comes out of. It just doesn't feel very cohesive as a whole. Like it just kind of. And also, just doesn't give me a good place. sense of how they how this person felt during that per- particular period of time. Well, the know? weirdest one is when um when Nikki like he like says one and it like leads to this flashback that comes like out of nowhere. Yeah, it's like, it's two like years why is there earlier. a flashback now? And it's like really weird like i have no idea it's like yeah it's like so everything was going linear until this particular moment yeah so that's what i was saying it felt like there was two directing styles because that from that point on it didn't feel like as much like a scorsese film it felt like an eastwood film and yeah i after that is where i was surprisingly more interested in the film than the earlier parts personally because even though i didn't care as much about the characters i felt like eastwood was more comfortable in that and actually had a little bit more creative expression that's fair to say. I was just really bored during that yeah. last, <laughs> the I last mean, like, second half. It was half. either more, more bored or less bored. <laughs> that was me throughout the movie. And then, like, smiling during the musical beats. It's funny, and it's funny, you mentioned the, um, you, you mentioned the, uh, his, um, his, the cinematography, the kind of filters on the camera. Uh, his cinematographer, Tom Stern, like, he's, He's been shooting Eastwood's films since, I think, Bloodworks, since like 2002, and they all have that same kind of look, which is something that really bugged me in Edgar, or Jedgar, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, Jedgar. Jedgar. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Jedgar. Um, <laughs> and it, it has this kind of saturated feel, and yeah, this movie, I did notice that too, Ken, where it kind of lightens up over as the time progresses. But it, it, it just, it gives it this stamp of Eastwood that makes me just not care. It's like, alright, here we are with the kind of weird looking film again. <laughs> but I mean, for a movie like Jersey Boys, like I get, yeah, Eastwood, you're putting your stamp on it, but this should be like a really colorful movie. It's Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Like it should leap out at you, and it just doesn't. Yeah. So. Really doesn't. What do you guys think of the emotional beats or like the, uh, the tension beats, uh, when they're all grouped together? When they're kind of bickering? Yeah, when they're bickering. I mean, like, that's supposed to be like the, a very, I guess a serious moment in the film, but I just thought, like, why? Where is this coming from? Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that's there, really. That's kind of how I saw it. It's the kind of stuff that follows the pattern of, yep, here's the big breakup scene when they all argue and some of them leave and whatnot. Like, there's just nothing. Yeah, if he if he had built this up to actually care about the characters more before that point, that would have been effective. Yes. Yeah. I had nothing wrong with that scene. It just leading up to it, I didn't care that much. Like, yeah, it, it was definitely a strong scene, but be, because it was so poorly handled before that point. Yeah. And yeah, again, I just, I just, I just <laughs> wish Christopher Walken was used more effectively. It, 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 yeah, there was so much potential there. I would say Christopher Walken was boring in the movie, but relative to how Christopher Walken has been used, <laughs> he was not right. utilized. Well, yeah, it's rare to find Christopher Walken boring. Like, he's yeah. just, he's Christopher Walken. He's going to say things in a certain way, and you're like, oh, cool, Christopher Walken's around. <laughs> All right, I think we've uh, talked to death about Jersey Boys. We can get to our rating for the film. Jersey Boys. Thank you. <laughs> we, we're just at, Ken. We're just asking when should people see this movie now? So when should people see Jersey Boys? Hmm. I was. I'm somewhere between this being like going with the old scale of either Dollar Theater or Netflix, simply because like I do really like their sound piece. I, I really like their musical parts. Uh, at the same time, everything between them, I just it's, there's no reason to be in the theater for it. So if you have a good sound system at your house, I'd say Netflix. I'd say just cable. Just if it's on, you could just listen to the musical beats. But other than that, yeah, yeah, buy the soundtrack. Buy buy the soundtrack. Watch it on HBO. That's where I'm at. Not even premium cable. I mean regular cable. I said HBO. It's not too nice. (laughs) Or if you want the cliff notes of the Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, then go see this movie. That's basically what it is. Or just go see the show. (laughs) Yeah, or you can just go see the the Broadway show. Or the off-Broadway show. Let's all go to Vegas, guys. Let's go see the Jersey Boys. I'm so down. Let's do it. That's where Tommy DeVito is. Don't go in a casino. You get kicked down 12 seconds. All right. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we make reference to some movies that we might have thought of during or after the movie. Uh, Abe, any callbacks this week for Jersey? Yeah, two mostly. The first one was Inside Lou and Davis, which is a Coen Brothers film. It came out a couple years ago. Um, last year. Last year. Sorry, <laughs> but I mean that one. It, it's a tighter focus. It's a tighter focus. It's it's I think just over the span of it's actually over the span of a few months, but. It just feels much tighter, and the other one was That Thing You Do, which is fiction, but it's much more fun. Ken? Uh, yeah, I had, uh, I had four. I had Goodfellas, I had Ray, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, and The Untouchables. Yeah, um, Ray, Walk the Line, Walk Hard, uh, <laughs> still one of the best, still one of the, easily one of the best uh, mu- uh, musical biopics for 
regardless of the fiction being a fictional character or not, Wildcard's fantastic. And that thing you do easily is much better. That thing you do um, in every respect, I would say that thing you do is better. Um, so yeah, that's a movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. Let's do our sponsor now. Abe. Yes, let's do it. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download. You can go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you get a free audiobook if you go there using audibletrial.com slash podcast. And you can download a free book and get a free 30-day trial. Abe, do you have a book to recommend? I do. It's actually uh, called Great American Music, colon, Broadway Musicals, and it's by The Great Courses, narrated by Professor Bill Messenger. Essentially, it's just about how... Broadway shows have uh, affected us historically. Awesome. Well, you can download that book or any other book you find at audibletrial.com. You can go there, download the book, get the trial uh, service, check it out. If you don't like it, you get rid of the service, but you get to keep the book for free. That's audibletrial.com. So let's move on now. Let's get, uh, let's get to our feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is, of course, where we collect all the various listener answers and questions that we received during the week and read them out on the show and we had we got a lot of new likes on our facebook page facebook we did that was like a huge stream. yeah so facebook, thanks for that yeah facebook.com slash out now podcast we add we ask questions every week and we have listeners respond so we're going to read those responses now and the first one we have is favorite movie musicals in general and jason has dr horrible sing-along blog that's a wonderful one from oh that's great <laughs> from joss whedon um, James has Crybaby with uh, Johnny Depp, which he might, says might just be nostalgia, but I think that's a solid movie. That's my favorite John Waters movie. With, I like that one, Crybaby. Um, Bob has Once. It's a wonderful one. It's a good. That's a good callback too. For anybody who hasn't seen that, you should check that one out instead. It's on Blu-ray now. Uh, oh, it's also a musical. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a, also a problem musical. I and the director also has a new new movie about music coming out too. Yeah, Begin Again with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, Liz has Godspell. It's just catchy. Justin has Mary Poppins, Grease, and the Pirate movie. And Joe has Music Man and Guys and Dolls, because they're just a bunch of crazy guys and dolls. <laughs> we then asked, uh, favorite Broadway shows turned movies? Tyler writes, the obligatory Wicked. Not quite a movie yet. Not quite a movie yet, yeah, but it's uh, been getting pretty good traction, I suppose. Uh, he also writes, the obligatory Sweetie Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. That's a good choice. Oh, it was a good choice, yeah. Uh, Joe Jans has Little Shop of Horrors. Mike Jones writes Grease. And Jason, I'm not really sure. Jimbo on his amazing scooter. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, next then, we have, uh, since Chris Walken is a part of Jersey Boys, uh, we asked what your favorite Christopher Walken roles are. Uh, George has not a favorite, but I enjoyed him in the recent uh, Seven Psychopaths. I That's... That's very high for me. I'd put that. <laughs> at this point, I'm saying like top, like top five at least, maybe top three. Christopher wow. Walken roles, Seven Psychopaths. I think he's excellent in that movie. Um, Joe Chan says uh, cowbell. Um, <laughs> Tyler Tyler follows it up with I have a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> Jim then has King of New York, Deer Hunter, and the Dead Zone. All great picks. Jason has Pulp Fiction, another great pick. It's rare to find a bad pick for Christopher yeah. movies, really. Um, Linda has, he was great as Sean Penn's cold and heartless dad in At Close Range. James has the Prophecy series. I couldn't pick just one. I could, the first. Um, Justin has Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, also A View to a Kill. There you go. There's the worst one. Um, Alan Aguilera has Max Shrek from Batman Returns. Mike Jones has Wayne's World 2. That's a great pick, too. Um, Scott Dancing has... He, he dances in most movies. <laughs> um, Scott has I Know Everyone Mentions the Deer Hunter, and it's great, but I think one of his best is The Dead Zone. Dead Zone really is good. It's a fantastic movie. I love The Dead Zone. David Cronenberg in the 80s. And Izzy has Suicide Kings. Another good pick. That's a solid pick. We then asked, uh, what's your favorite Clint Eastwood-directed film? Jason writes Million Dollar Baby. Bob writes Mystic River. I forgot that he directed that one. I was like, that is a good movie. Uh, Tyler writes Unforgiven. And lastly, uh, Scott writes The Outlaw, Josie Wales, and Bird. Yeah, Bird's a good Bird's a good one with the Forrest Whitaker. That's a solid, That's a better biopic than Jersey Boys is. That's for sure. Forrest um, Academy uh, Award winner. Uh, Unforgiven is easily my pick for that one. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there, Aaron. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Christopher Walken role, by the way, guys? I didn't really ask. Uh, one that they didn't mention, which I, I do like him in, is uh, Catch Me If You Can. I loved him in that. He's role. very good in that. Yeah, two yeah. ice, falling a bucket of cream. That's yeah, but I, I love the part where he's just like, "Where are you going tonight?" When he's like talking to his son, and she's like, "It's very sad." No, 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 that part sucks. But the rest of it is good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Honestly, I think I have to go with Seven Psychopaths because as his as you get to know him more in that movie, it's just there's so much more to him. Yeah, he is such a such a fascinating character. And by the end of the movie, you're like, I want a movie about this guy only. Yeah, I, yeah, you just get lost in him. One psychopath? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm okay if it's Christopher Walken. Yes, it's just called, but um, it's just called psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron did I, or Aaron and Abe, but did I ever tell you guys about the first time I saw a million dollar baby? No. No. I want to hear this story now. Oh gosh. So um I, I it came out in two thousand four, so you know, I was you know a freshman engineer, so I was not paying attention to movies coming out at that point. So I I'd heard nothing but great things, but I didn't really listen about it. I just assumed it was a, a Rocky type movie of a boxing movie that's like a uh uh how do I put it? Uh, a down-and-out character coming up. It's, it's like a feel-good movie. And that's what I was going into this movie expecting. So, like, 2009, I was stressed about grad school, and I was like, oh, you know what? I need a decompressed movie to watch. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm going to watch Million Dollar Baby. If I had listened to anyone talking about this movie, I would have known what to expect. And it just caught me so off guard. that I would say that it's probably, like, the number two movie I've ever seen that in terms of, like, emotionally wrecking me. Like, just below, like, Apocalypse Now. Because I would, usually you see a movie like Precious or, like, The Elephant Man, something like that. You, you're able to brace yourself for it and through it. But I, I was so caught off guard by Million Dollar Baby. And at the major plot twist halfway through, I was just so surprised. And it just spiraled downhill from there. But, yeah. And that's why he didn't pass his oral exams for his <laughs> master's program. <laughs> The first yeah. time. The first time. The first time, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, so distraught. <laughs> that movie destroyed me. <laughs> yeah, probably never going to watch it again. But that movie, though, nonetheless, I was very impressed. I think that's, um, I know a um, friend of the show, Adam Gentry, mentioned it's one of his, generally the movie that he says as one of his you know favorites ever. It's great. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not one that I, it's not one that I personally need to, like, you know, see again and again but uh, yeah it's certainly a, it's a very good movie um all right moving on our last um question that we asked here uh, favorite 60s pop songs uh joe has i love you more today than yesterday by spiral staircase uh mike has penny lane by the beatles would be the first daydream believer by the monkeys would be the second <laughs> i see what he did there and then Jeanette has Su- sukiyaki yeah sukiyaki by uh Kiyu Sakamoto. Kiyu Sakamoto, who died in a Korean airline disaster. I, I think like it was his... actually Japan Airlines. At, uh, obscure picks. I like them. Yeah. Cool. All right. Then moving to questions here. First question is from Joshua. Who is the most overrated director and why? It's a great question. First one that comes to mind, McGee. <laughs> when was McGee touted as a top director, Abe? When, they, when, when he was making uh, Terminator Salvation, people were like, this guy, no, he knows what he's doing. It's like, no, he doesn't. Have you seen any of his other films? Exactly. He doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, I, I would I would say because of the strength of Charlie's Angels, I was looking forward to Terminator Salvation. No. We were all mistaken. Just like Judgment Day. It still happens. This is not the future my mother warned me about. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a Ken, do you have an answer for that? Uh, I'd have to think about it more. Off the top of my head, no. I honestly look at the, uh, Eastwood, actually. <laughs> I think, oh, I think yeah. Eastwood gets a lot of credit for because he's Clint Eastwood, um, that he like automatically makes great movies, and I really don't think he's made a great movie since probably Million Dollar Baby. I know a lot of people like Letters of Iwo Jima a lot, but I mean, besides Million Dollar Baby, I think before that, maybe it goes all the way back to Unforgiven as far as kind of great Clint Eastwood movies go. And I forgot about those two, Letters from Iwo Jima and uh, Flags, Flags of Our Father. Yeah. I mean, what else is that? I mean... <laughs> people can say they. I know a lot of people say they like a lot of these other movies that he's done, like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil or, or Mystic River, even, which I think is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of you know him as a director, I wouldn't really place him very high, as a lot of people seem to. Mm-hmm. Um, Jersey Boys is a pretty, and like, by the, way, the one-two punch of Jedger and Jersey Boys really isn't helping. He has to he has to stay away from the Jays, is what I'm learning. <laughs> when you first asked the question, I thought you said the most underrated director, and the first one that came to mind immediately was John Chu. Oh, no, step up oh. two, step up three yes. D. Yeah, I love that guy. But no, overrated. I don't have one right now. No worries. I'm trying to think of others that are over. Because I hate the word. I, I really hate the word overrated too. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite words because it just it implies that everyone else is in from my eyes. It implies that everyone else is wrong and that I'm right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like that idea. Um, how how egalitarian of you? Yeah. Well. Yeah. But yeah. No. That's that's the best I can do. I can't. Yeah, so, I mean, 
some I just don't respond to like the other people seem to. But yeah. But I mean, if I wanted to set somebody back, it'd be Clint Eastwood, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Let's That's my Clint Eastwood. Let's move on now. Uh, Mike asks favorite car movies. It's a great question. Is Rodney still awake? Is he no favorite car movies? <laughs> Rodney. Favorite car. First one off the top of my head, Cars Two. Second one, Fast and Furious franchise. Third one, Drive. All off the top of my head. Oh, way to way to not try. <laughs> Thanks, Jed. Um, coming to mind, Bullet uh, for the original Gone in sixty seconds. Uh, Vanishing Point. Rodney. Any favorite car movies coming to mind, Rodney? <laughs> we broke up, Fred. Hold on, I have an outside guest coming in for asking Uh-oh. his favorite car movies. Uh, Love the Beast is a great movie with uh, Eric Bana. Eric Bana, I love that. Uh, Dust the Glory is a great. I should mention Drive. Or I'm sorry, uh, Rush. Rush, yeah. Actually, I did love that. I saw that in theaters. I took Rodney to see Rush with me. Yeah, yeah. nice. Several yeah, times. it's a good choice. I've watched that on DVD at home multiple times. It's just it's does a great job of setting that era. Yes. Those are the top ones that come to my mind. Yeah. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great song. <laughs> well, thank thank you, Rodney. <laughs> Timely guest work. <laughs> Go back to bed. To clarify, <laughs> Rodney and I are currently in a hotel. We had a long road trip. And I know he's a big car guy, so I was like, well, I should get Rodney in on this question. Um, Ken? Yeah. Uh, the, the recent Speed Racer came to mind immediately Ooh, because I yeah, love that movie that's a great so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, even though it's not the best film, I really enjoy it. Days of Thunder. Um, it's a movie. Yeah, it's it's nostalgic for me, and so like cold trickle. Yeah, I know. Mellow I, yellow car. Yeah, but I'm gonna more stick with the modern Speed Racer because you know it has car foo. Go Speed Racer, go. Yeah, like that. All right, Izzy asked us if you had a cast like Slew, there was a villain in the Batman Superman movie. Which actor would you choose in before Billy Zane? So we can't choose Billy Zane, even though he's the obvious bald actor that I'd pick for Lex Luthor, uh, Mr. Luthor. And we have Jesse Eisenberg has now been cast as Lex Luthor, the obvious pick that everyone expected, of course. <laughs> but let's see, who would I, who would you cast as Lex Luthor? Hmm. Think outside the box. I mean, Scott, my friend of Scott Mendelson was saying Chiwetel Ejiofor for the longest time. That would be which I really loved. Cool. I really yeah. loved to say that idea. <laughs> Um, that would be pretty cool. Think outside the box. I think a traditional Lex Luthor, like a megalomaniac kind of character as opposed to whatever they're going for with Batman, Superman, sorry, Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to get it right. Yeah, DC and Legendary Pictures would be very upset if we didn't use all that correctly. Hashtag callback. (laughs) Unfortunately, he already played Zod, but uh, Michael Shannon would be kind of cool as Lex Luthor. (laughs) Let's just say Michael Fassbender, then. Let's get all the Michael Fassbender. Yeah, sure. Let's get all the Michaels. But he would play. I mean, I'd, I'd have him as Lois. I'd have him as everybody. I'd, I'd have Michael Keaton in there. Put a Michael Keaton play like <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a bird, man. He looks pretty crazy in that. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Izzy has a second question to follow this one up. Keeping in mind the Billy Zane mode of questions, if you had to cast the remake of The Phantom, who would you choose? I love The Phantom, which Billy Zane tried to bring to life so well. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough people saw it. I don't know. This guy's wearing a purple mask that covers his entire head the whole time. So like a purple jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just choose Michael Fassbender again. No, um, um. <laughs> no, that's, that's more about fuchsia. How about um? You know what? Uh, I'd choose the uh, the guy from uh, the from uh, the the, ori- the original District B13. Uh, how about that? Uh, David there you go. Oh, David Bell. I, I agree with that. There we go. See, do see the Phantom do parkour? And also, you'd oh. have like a French accent, which would be like you know cool and mysterious, right? Yeah. Where is the panther? I do not know. And stuff like that. Man, I can't wait for more French accents in the future for me, because that was entertaining <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. We. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, that was uh, that was out in the feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback! Always uh, fun to get uh, responses from the listeners. Really cool. So thanks for all those and for the questions. And, uh, yeah, go to facebook.com slash... Uh, I know podcast. podcast. You can, you know, look, tune in to find all the uh, questions and answer them there every week. So uh, let's move on now. What time is it, Abe? Ooh, I think it's 1.59 a.m., but in, it's also time for games. That was that was jerserific, I guess. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. As your boys. That was a little impromptu given my hotel setting right now, but I managed to pull it off. You did <laughs> just it. Just in time. You did it, buddy. <laughs> 
Grammy Award goes to you. That was not for my regular xylophone that I use. So. You, he actually brought his real xylophone I, with him. Yeah. Yeah. You got a game for right. Abe? I do have a game. It's called You're Not From Jersey. Are you? And, uh... Okay. <laughs> it's the line from Nick in the movie. Thanks. And, that makes the game less vague. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, I, wish we had, I wish we had friend of the show uh, uh, Jordan from Jersey on. Jersey he'd, on. Yes, he'd, he'd crush this one. Actually, I think like six of them are about movies pertaining to New Jersey, and two of them are actual New Jersey questions, just to get the New Jersey vote in. All right, here we go. You'd have to buzz in with your name, and then you can uh, answer. You can always cut me off if you know the answer beforehand. Okay. Here we go. Which one of these four individuals is not from New Jersey. Bruce Springsteen, Bon Jovi, Judy Bloom, or Alicia Keys? Aaron. Aaron. Judy Bloom? That is incorrect. Ken? Um, I'm going to have to go with Alicia Keys. That is correct. Did that seemed too oh. obvious, so I figured she was from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> like, it seemed like the obvious odd man house. She's from New York. Very on the nose. Hey. She sings the damn New York song. I should have just guessed. Alicia. I should just went with the op. What seemed obvious? What was I thinking? <laughs> the next and final question. This matters. New Jersey, <laughs> pertaining to the state of New Jersey. New Jersey is known as the what state? The show me state. Aaron. Aaron. The Garden State. That is correct. Knowledge. Yeah. All right. The next question. Name the Soprano family members. Oh gosh. Like all of them? Yeah, there's like five of them, right? <laughs> you should four, know. You should, know you should have the answer in front. Okay, Aaron. Aaron. Uh, Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano is correct. Meadow Soprano. AJ, AJ Soprano and, and Nurse Jackie. Um, can't can't sweep. Car- Carmela. Carmela. Carmela Soprano. That is correct. I like how you uh, use AJ. <laughs> yeah, considering I've never seen the show. Name's AJ. <laughs> That guy was definitely at a loss there. Anthony Jr. Yeah. Okay. This HBO show centers around Prohibition in the 1920s and 30s in Atlantic City. Aaron. This HBO show... Aaron. Oh. Aaron. Boardwalk Empire. That's yeah. correct. Next one. Think hard about your wish before you seek out the game Zoltar Speaks from this Tom Hanks Ken. classic. Ken. Big. That's correct. The next one. When going to New Jersey, be sure to avoid running into fallen angels, apostles... Prophets? Ken. Ken. Dogma. That is correct. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Waking up in a seemingly terrible nightmare, Nicolas Cage must find Don Cheadle and figure out what happened to his Aaron. Ferrari. Uh, Who buys in first? A- Aaron I, did. Aaron. The family man. That's correct. Last one. This is the father of the 7 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> John McClane? John McClane. John? Jack! John? Jack! John. Jack! <laughs> Look at you, the 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey. <laughs> Abe, I was chomping at the bit waiting for the Jersey Girl question to come up there. <laughs> Jersey Girl. <laughs> I was like, it's coming, I know it. Nope. It's Kevin Smith flop. <laughs> and with that, Aaron, you are the winner by one question. So uh, congratulations to you, sir. Yes. But Ken got that Alicia Keys was not from New Jersey, so he gets that one for sure. I do, I do feel terrible about this question. <laughs> like, yeah. It seemed like so obvious. I'm like, well, that can't be the answer. <laughs> to be fair, I looked at my poster and it said right there that, you know, from Manhattan. So I was like, well, I'll give Aaron a chance. So. <laughs> Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Like, fair. A little bit. So that was, you're not from Jersey, are you? I, lo- I love that you probably have it spelled that way, where it's like in italics. Are you? Question mark. There's actually an ellipse, and then are you? Question mark. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on now. Let's get to at now presents what's out now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we have quite a few here. First up, we have Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, which I was very. It's a fun movie. Happy I thought to... it was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, then we have Winter's Tale, which is not a good movie, <laughs> but it is. It is hilarious to talk about because it's about Colin Farrell riding on a magic horse against Russell Crowe. Oh, that's right. Irish. That's what. Yes. What are you doing, Boyle? And uh, Will Smith co-stars as the devil because why not? So there you go. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. It's, I'm telling you, this movie's <laughs> hilarious to talk about. Um, <laughs> then we have a movie called Enemy, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal, and I was finally able to see this movie. I know Mark Hoban 
among other friends of the show, big, big fans of it. And I have to say, Enemy is a really, really good movie that is incredibly hard to recommend to a lot of people, but a very cool little indie, strange, doppelganger-themed film that I really liked. Um, Between then, that and The Double, what would you recommend? Oh, yeah, Enemy, easily. Okay. And, I mean, Enemy is a movie that's like a top ten contender. Del- wow. The Double is like, hey, I saw this. That was good. Next up, we have Masters of Sex, Season 1. This is a Showtime series with... Um, Lucy with, Kaplan. With, with Lizzie Kaplan and Mike and Mike Michael, Michael uh, Sheen. Yes. Um, and it's a really good show. I'm really looking forward to season two. And it's a it's set it's a period drama based around um, some Professor Masters. I can't think of his first name. Um, but they were doing a real, real scientific research about about um, about sex, about the kind of nature of sex. And it's a it's it's a really good drama. It's just really well acted. I'm glad that everyone at Party Down is doing well. Yeah, yeah, because Lizzie Kaplan's yeah. excellent in the show. Like, she's yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that's coming out this week. Uh, then lastly, we have I just wanted to mention this because I love this movie. A Hard Day's Night comes out on Criterion Blu-ray this week. A Hard Day's Night is the very very good Beatles film, um, and it's it's a, it's just just this wonderful musical comedy um, that that really showed how talented the Beatles are, not only performers but like actors. They're just really good in this movie. Um, it's a it's a solid watch, and I recommend that to anyone that hasn't seen A Hard Day's Night if they just want to have a good time with Beatles music. Um, so yeah, that's on Criterion this on Criterion Blu-ray this week. Very cool. Probably loaded with cool special features. I know I'm getting it, so I'm excited to check it out for sure. Now it's time to go into what we're going to talk about next week, and of course that is going to be nothing else but Transformers: Age of Extinction. Very cool. Transformers: Age of Extinction. Very cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's coming, <laughs> and um, yeah, you can tell by our voices that we're super excited. I am I am super excited about Transformers Age of Ape. It has Dinobots. It has Dinobots, but I mean, how much more can I find out that we're that Optimus Prime is going to save the day, right? I've seen it three times before. Is he Abe? Is he? I don't know. I mean, they do have very Transformers Five coming out, right? So. No, I'm a, no, I'm asking, is, is he is is he going to save the day? Oh, is 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 he going to save the day? Yeah, I think that he would save the day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Is he has great questions, and he also emails us. You really just kind of stopped that sentence there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so with, with, with all that said, regardless of how excited you might be for the actual movie, I'm excited to do this podcast because we are bringing back friends of the show, Alan Aguilera and Jordan Grab, to talk about Transformers because Transformers Dark of the Moon is one of my favorite episodes that we've done in this podcast. So yes, those are previous episodes. Reuniting our team to do the next Transformers movie has me very excited, and I'm just excited to check out this movie in general. I want to see what's going on with Kelsey Grammer versus Dinobots. I want to see that movie. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey, by the way, Kelsey Grammer is in Think Like a Man too. He is literally in every movie this summer. I'm not kidding. He's, he's also in episode three for whatever reason. It's like, hmm, interesting. Kelsey Grammer was an action star in the 80s. Yeah, I he's, guess he's in Expendables. He's in X Men. Right? He's yeah. in Transformers. He's in Think Like a Man too. The guy is he's secretly he's secretly taking over the summer. That's... He was actually the drummer in Jersey Boys. I don't know if you guys <laughs> that. Yes. That's why we couldn't figure out who that was. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Surprise. But yeah, Transformers: Age of Extinction. That's what we're talking about next week. That should be something. That's for sure. And it's 166 minutes. So there you go. <laughs> so another thing to take into account. Oh my goodness. I know it's that Great. long. I think we've had a Transformer. Yeah. All right. Uh, last segment here before we wrap it up. What should people go see now? What movie would you recommend that you've seen that people should go see right now in theaters? Ken. Chef. Um, it's about to leave theater, but I, I saw it early last week, so I didn't mention it, but I loved that movie thoroughly. I, I highly recommend it to everyone. Go to, enjoy it. <laughs> glad to hear it, because I, Abe and I definitely agree on that. Yeah. yeah. Abe? I'd say The Signal, and, and that's not because uh, I we talked to the two writers, which is great, but um, I definitely think that it's worth checking out. I'm right there with you. I'm, I was going to say the signal as well. I do think it's a it's a nice original sci-fi film that I want to get you know more love and want to see more people see and talk about just so those filmmakers can continue on to make other cool yeah, little absolutely. movies. I mean, but, agreed. And it's just a it's just a cool movie. Like I, it is very cool. Yeah, and the signals are fantastic, especially when you don't know anything about. I didn't. I knew nothing about it going in, so it's really. Neat I want to see it again see. primarily because we do know more about it now, and I just want to see where where they played with us. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so with all that said. That is going to do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at whysoblue.com for all my blue reviews. And, of course, at Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. 
And Ken, do you have anywhere you want to promote? Uh, nope, I'm I'm pretty much off the grid. Okay. You're up in the bay, come say hey, but. Otherwise, You're up in the bay, come say hey. It's my, I think yeah, that's my like the song by one of those kindergarten guys, right? Down by the bay. No, that's yeah, that's that's from my band, the Hats Off Show Offs. <laughs> that's how you call back. I love that. Call back, call back, call back. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. TM. All right. So with that said, you can find all the other episodes about now there and on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other shows, including 24, the Jack and Chloe Adventure Cast, the podcast that I'm currently co-hosting with my friends Brandon and Maxwell, talking about the each week's new episodes of 24, Live Another Day, and other shows like Walking Dead TV podcast and other comics and TV and other similarly themed genre-based podcast shows you can find over there. Find all our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. And email us your thoughts on Jersey Boys or whatever else you've seen during the summer at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, you can follow our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, where you can... You know, find all the, uh, the various posts and pictures that we put up there. And lastly, feel free to use our voicemail line, 972-798-3830. You can send us a voicemail. We just had one the other week, actually, which was a lot of fun from Tyler. You can send us your, you know, vocal thoughts on various films, and we'd be happy to play it on the show. If you have a question or something, it's cool to, you know, interact with the listeners and get them more involved. So we love doing that. It's 972-798-3830. Okay, so with all that said, Ken, thank you for staying up super late to talk with us about Jersey Boys. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having Here's me on, guys. Yeah, sure. it's great having you on. Yeah, and um, until next time when we find out the truth about Optimus Prime, because I'm pretty sure he has to discover his long-lost father and mother in the next Transformers. That only make that seems to be the only logical step to take in this plot. Um, <laughs> in a, <laughs> if, if Galactus is in this movie, I'll be so happy. His father is like this, like Volkswagen. Like, never mind. As long as they what? all walk like men and talk like men, I'll be happy. Uh, it's so, so it's so ridiculous. With all, father and mother. With all, it's like, it's just like Liam Neeson in a Lego movie. It's, <laughs> it's just it's, it's Optimus Prime's voice voicing his parents. But his parents, and they're just like, oh, it's so ridiculous. Mom, dead. Anyway, it's me, Mother Prime. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Remember we were wrapping up the show? Okay, so with all that said, so long. And goodbye. Baby Sherry, can you come out tonight? Oh, what a night. Late December, back in 63. What a very special time for me. Cause I remember what a night. What a lady, what a night Oh, I, I got a funny feeling when she walks